right. Welcome uh, welcome back, everybody, to the Hockey Toolkit. I'm Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. I think we need like a – do we need like a big intro, like a new – like a laser – lasers and, and like spotlights welcome, welcome welcome yeah fog machine but nobody can hear it uh, <laughs> you, you can't see it either so the audio no, yeah audio fog machine <laughs> <laughs> yeah no we probably should but uh yeah this is episode number four in uh, our series so far of a thousand so of you in the future who are uh listening thank you uh for listening to all those but uh yeah so uh how you been Good. We had a good couple weeks here. They, our 16s, uh, they qualified for nationals. They won the state of New Hampshire mm. at the Tier 2 level. So we went 20-0 and 0 in that division um, and beat the Northern Cyclones in the finals. So that was great. And then uh, in the three games right before our uh, our Thanksgiving break, our junior teams won all three games this past weekend. We beat um, Walpole Express. Uh, at the EHL and the P level on Saturday. Then on Sunday, we beat our southern rival, the New Hampshire Avalanche, 6-3 to three with our EHLP team. So uh, all looks good heading into the Thanksgiving break. So now the kids can can uh, partake in as much turkey as they want, stuffing, load up, carb up, carb up <laughs> you know, ruin all their success. Because you got a machine <laughs> over there just taking down teams left and right. That's awesome. That's right. Congrats. Tell me about your weekend, Trevor. I, how was yours? Oh, it's it's usually the same. Uh, just a lot. Uh, I got a lot. Of, I got a few, quite a few kids that are out ill, so uh, we definitely played with the small roster this weekend. Um, I only had one one game Saturday, so uh, unfortunately we got our butts kicked. But uh, again, it was more or less uh, afterwards. I did something I should have done probably. Uh, much earlier in the season, and it was a little bit of a uh, just a survey. I did it just through Hockey Monkey, or not Hockey Monkey, through uh, Survey Monkey, uh, basically just saying like, you know, what's your why? Why are you here to play hockey? Like, what what is your like what what is your reason to play? Uh, what is your um, you know what is your what motivates you? Um, you know, and then basically from there which is probably par for what this point in the season, I basically said, yeah, let's, what is uh scale of one to a five? You know, how are you doing in practices? Um, you know, and then after that, it was why, like what, what would give you a better grade? And then it was one through five. How are you doing in games? What would give you a better grade there? Um, and then it was more or less to you anything for the coaches, you know, like questions, comments, concerns, issues, suggestions. So I ran that out, um, got all the kids done. Um, that was, and it, it came out pretty well. Um, you know, nobody, nobody uh, said anything negative about the coaches. So, uh, which I, you know, even if they did, um, it, it, it went well. Um, it's some good feedback to be get from something like that. That's a good exercise. I think that, you know, you probably want the kids to be respectful, but and not like bury their teammates. But you also want some really good feedback too. Like, what can you, if they're all just politically and politically correct you can't get anything that you can really use so you want that healthy balance of like info that's maybe a little bit biting but like you can use and you can work with and then also like you know a level of honesty that you, that, that that can you know the kids maybe self-evaluate a little bit with a level of honesty yeah so i mean it wasn't anonymous for them but i mean it was just more or less between us like as in myself my other coach and the players, so they could say, you know, like, okay, this is how I feel, and there were some, you know, I mean, 
nobody bagged on any specific teammates, but it was, you know, we need to do a better job of this before pregame as a team, this, this, and that. You know, those types of things. So, for me, I did it more or less just to hold people accountable because I feel like, um, in general, that's not happening um, to its fullest extent. Um, it also holds me accountable. So it lets me know, you know, the kids signed up to play hockey. Am I doing my job? Um, and that's basically what I want to make sure is like, hey, is there something maybe I'm missing? Am I, does somebody feel left out? Does somebody this or that? And again, I don't know, you know, I'm assuming I got a 100% full, healthy, you know, honest answers. Um, you know, there was nothing in there that I would think kind of set them up for that. But I told them like, hey, tell me, just be completely brutally honest, you know, and with whatever you've got, you know, thought wise. So, so far went, uh, I thought it went pretty well. So I got yeah, that back. Great. Looked that over, and then we did, we just got done with our uh, player evaluations. So uh, you know, where I have to be brutally honest sometimes, and it's not fun. But you know, we're, we do it by uh, which again, I'm not a fan of. We do a, uh, the club I'm with. It's now numbers, one through fives, with like skating, forward skating, backwards, like, and then it's like just a whole bunch of stuff. And I don't know about you, but I personally am not a huge fan of giving numbers because I feel it's clearly subjective and i would rather just tell the player hey these are the three things you're really good at here are three things that you're not as good at and we need to work on and then here are three things that you how we can work on those things i've always gone with that but i'd be interested to hear your take you know about numbers and grades and stuff like that (laughs) they already see it in school yeah no i i agree with you i think like um like what's your what's your what's your baseline with the numbers like if you're comparing them to uh nhl players everybody's a one in every category (laughs) you know like so they're compared against their peers that makes a little more sense what it is yeah it's they're compared to their uh compared to the level that they're currently in right now okay i still like i mean i like the um I i like you know giving like a couple sentences that could describe areas that they can improve upon i think that is a little bit more helpful to be honest with you because you're like if you just give them a number, like if they're a four on skating, well, what does that really mean? Are they not good at one specific skill within skating, like their transitional footwork or their edge control or their explosiveness? Um, you know, what does that really mean? So I think like, like you said, I, I probably, probably would prefer like uh, some written feedback rather than a numerical feedback. Right. And that's how I've been. I mean, like when I was doing stuff with the program, um, when I was running it and then when, even when I coached, when we were just supposed to do evals, I never did the numbers because, again, when you're going through all those different, you know, topics and stuff like that, it's just, I'd rather, if I'm a player, I want to know the three things that I really need to work on. Because yeah. I know there's a whole bunch of skills that within the game, you know, that just, there's just so much. I don't want to have all that focus, like, oh... Coach thought I was a f- two here, four here, th- two, th- three here, four here, two, one, you know, whatever. I, I just want to know, like, the first three things that if I'm, you know, if I'm plugging the ship here because it's sinking, what are the first three holes that I can plug to try and stay afloat, you know? I know it's kind of a bad analogy there because it makes it sound like the player's going to sink no matter what, but uh, that's at least how I always looked at it was, okay, give me, help me out here. And then, again, as a coach, it's what can I do? Like, what are we going to do to work on those three things to get better at it so i'm providing an actual actionable solution so that's just how i've always looked at to do evaluations because i think sometimes sometimes too that written feedback like um 
so there's there's something to be said for utilizing your best skill, right? So like let's say you have a player who is a dynamic skater, but he's not a great shooter or puck handler. Yeah, he can incrementally focus on like improving his shot or his puck skills and get them up to a base level that is, you know, comparable to his peers. But if his real gift is skating and he continues to keep developing his skating, he can become, you know, an unreal dynamic skater. Um, And that's your best asset sometimes is like, if you have something you're really good at, why would you want to become vanilla at everything else? So we, right. we used to have um, Derek Becker. He was a great player at UNH, and he played a little bit in the NHL and played a long time in professional hockey. And he used to live locally up here. Um, and he used to come into training camp with our guys uh, for like five or six years in a row when he was living up here. Now he moved down south for, for his business. Um, but he said, you know, he was a, he was a great skater. Like he, he, he wasn't a great, he wasn't super, super physical. He didn't have a great shot. Um, but his really, his, his, his gift was his ability to, to separate and, and get behind players. And, and, um, he said, well, I always wanted to work more on my skating because I know that's got me to being a above average player. And yeah. if I keep doing that, I'll always be above average. And, you know, it got him into the show for a little bit. So I think there's something to be that, that too. Like, if you have something you're good at, make sure it's always better than everybody else. Right. No, definitely. No, I mean that uh, that, that makes sense, especially as you said. You know, if that's your if that's your bread and butter. You want to make sure that it stays your bread and butter if yeah. it's working for you. And as we know, I mean, skating is if you can play at a extremely fast level and you've got good speed, uh, you can go pretty far uh, compared to oh, I got a great got a great slap shot all right well that'll take you to a certain level but unless you're bread hole but uh i can cook yeah. a good steak but you know i'm not throwing spaghetti and meatballs on that grill <laughs> exactly no no exactly <laughs> but uh so yeah this week we have uh bo marchwick um from elite prospects um who we will be who we d- did interview um you know i think that was uh it's one of our lengthier uh, interviews, but it definitely was pretty. Uh, it was very insightful, especially from definitely um, from both sides, just how he kind of got into working for elite prospects, but also on their end and how they do things. Um, you know, I know growing up, it was between you know for the longest time it was like hockeydb.com, and then it was elite prospects that, and again, as I said in the interview, I mean. One of my my previous employer would sit there and actually listen to this. I'd be in crap or trouble if I still worked for him because I spent so much time just <laughs> going down the rabbit hole of, oh, so and so played in this league. Okay, where did this like? And then you just kind of, it's like playing that game where you just kind of like, you know, spiral. So and so, yeah, you're just going through it. So, uh, what did your th- what were your takes on the interview with Bo? I thought that it was great, and it was, he was really articulate with. Um, describing the process of how they gather so much information and, and the evolution of that platform. Uh, I remember when I started coaching in New Jersey, I coached a high school team in Springfield, New Jersey, and they didn't, it was so tough to get like pre-scouting stuff. Uh, they, you know, they didn't have live barn. Um, you'd have to, you know, rely on them putting stuff on clips on YouTube to look at your other opponents, or I'd have to send a coach or go myself to actually go in person. Um, it was really tough to get, you know, stats for kids. Uh, they had a website in New Jersey, a little bit called NJ power ranking. That was pretty cool. Uh, that really just covered New Jersey high school hockey, but, uh, the game changed when you had 
stuff like elite prospects come out and uh, you could gather so much information from every player all across the world. Uh, and then, you know, two, three years ago when COVID hit, oh my gosh, that really changed the game. You know, we, we have so many websites like B, he had back in the day, you had be recruited. Now you have NCSA, but you know, you can get kids information, the information that they put on NCSA, but really the, the tail of the tape is elite prospects and getting that accurate data um, on kids. So I, I, I think the platform is tremendous and I think it's really, really helped people like myself recruiting players to find, well, this kid's got a good recruiting tape, but he just showed me his only three goals his whole year rather right, than just, right. you know, just Were the those highlight. his only three goals, right? You know, too, plus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've when I was doing some of the, you know, scouting and recruiting for uh, those tier three programs, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that would be the first thing we would shoot over to and just kind of see, you know, first of all, you look to see who the connections are. I mean, for us, if we're trying to pull a kid, you know, we just say, okay, does he know anybody or did he play for anybody that maybe we've had in the past or play, you know, play with anybody that was on the team before or we've got a good rapport with or is he maybe it's somebody we're even going after right now. So that was always a thing we used to, you know, kind of do. Um, but yeah, I mean, that completely, again, like I said, hockey DB, which is still, I mean, they're both round, but elites really kind of separated itself. Yeah. Especially with how more up to date and how quicker those, I mean, the stats are live throughout the whole season. It used to be even before, um, at like the lower junior levels, like it used to be, um, like, oh, you just have to wait till the end of the season. Now, I mean, it's, they're raking right away. Yeah. So I really, I mean, again, I, I use it all the time. I really liked what Bo, um, what do you, what do you have to say? And, you know, kind of like taught us all about, uh, at least his story and his side and how it all works. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you tell me about how, how you know Bo and how you got to meet him? Uh, so actually Bo, uh, at the time, um, if you're listening a thousand years from now, um, <laughs> there's this thing called Twitter. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's still there right now. Um, but uh, Elon has figured out a way to live those thousand years. Um, <laughs> so basically, I uh, kind of just through Twitter itself. Um, it was back when I was writing for TGHP. Um, just kind of one of those people that popped up in my feed. Um, like, oh, p- other people, you follow this or that. And um, I think he was, I don't remember if it was me asking him questions about something or him asking me about, like, hey, do you have any rosters? Like, you have no idea who to contact. But we just kind of mutual following through there. And I've kind of watched his evolution a little bit of working with Lee prospects. And, you know, like I say in the interview, um, you know, he's done a lot for girls hockey. Um, so that was very cool to see, like just how much he's done. Um, and I would even go like, you know, I would see sometimes, you know, before it would show you, Oh, so-and-so said this. And he'd be like asking somebody like, Oh, Hey, did you guys have like a, a roster from this year? And it would be like a, like a, you know, again, it's Minneapolis or Minnesota. So there's tons of schools out there for hockey, but it'd be a girls program. So I thought that was really cool. I mean, this, here's a guy who's just on his own free time. Um, cause at that time he was still doing it for free, like just trying to hunt down all this information. So that's how I found Bo, uh, through there. And then ever since, um, I actually did a interview with him, uh, when I was trying to do a different podcast 
And him and I, I think, as you will see, uh, this one went for about 45 minutes-ish. That one that I did with him was like an hour and a half. So it wow. was, uh, yeah. So he, he definitely, uh, he likes, he's, he's got the gift of the gab. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, but it was all, it was great. It was fun. So, I mean, and there's even more stuff in that one that, um, it was more previous, like more like just coming up through it all. But I really liked, uh, what's interesting was that he just, didn't play hockey growing up. Guy in you know, Minnesota didn't play hockey, and just how big he is into it now. So, um, yeah, that's how. Basically, long story uh, short, um, that's how I met Bo. So it's cool. uh, he's he's been a fun follow, and I really enjoy. Like I said, you know, I've had conversations with him on the side here and there, and uh, just over the course of the the platform. So, yeah, it's uh, it's worked out pretty well. Awesome. We want to go to the interview now? Yeah, let's uh, plug it in right here. We are uh, happy to have on today uh, the man, the myth, the legend for Elite Prospects, uh, Bo Marchwick. Um, Bo, how are you doing today? Or this evening? I'm doing good. Doing really good. Just sitting down to... My computer in my my guest bedroom, my my man cave, I guess. Gonna answer some emails after I get done talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, which I don't know how you can't, but uh, Bo knows hockey. He's uh, actually one of the. Uh, oh, well, go ahead. What is your specific job title with uh, Elite Prospects? Oh man, I think I'm support premium support elite. Pre- Elite Prospects Premium Support, I think, is my technical uh, title, I guess. Um, I've been a volunteer with Elite Prospects, or I was a volunteer with Elite Prospects since, like, 2014, 2015. Uh, Honestly, it was in November, I think, so I'm coming up on an anniversary here, I guess. But um, about two years ago, I I started part-time answering their premium emails on top of all of the other crazy stuff I do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what uh so i mean kind of backtrack before we actually really get into the nitty-gritty um you're currently you said you lived in uh you're stillwater correct stillwater minnesota yep that's um, that's where you grew I'm from born and raised in minnesota i'm from owatonna which is south of the twin cities and um lived all over i went to school in uh, minnesota state mankato and um now my wife is from stillwater and we moved here Probably about two years ago. So, <laughs> there you go. What uh, now? Growing up, you were not a hockey player, right? I mean, you you weren't really even a big hockey fan, correct? Yeah, that's pretty much correct. I um, I'm from Owatonna is a wrestling town, uh, so like our winter, our big winter sport was wrestling. Um, but I in high school I played um, baseball, football, and and basketball, I guess, like for my freshman year. And then I quit basketball and I was looking for something to do in the winter. And a bunch of my baseball buddies in high school, this is back in like 2002, I guess. Um, a bunch of my baseball buddies played played uh, hockey. And so I started managing the hockey team in Owatonna and hanging out with all my all of those friends. And um, I guess, honestly, probably about 2000, that was my, my I graduated in 04. So probably like 2003, 2004 was the first time I ever even put on skates. But the the Minnesota Wild came back to town, I think, in 2000. 
and so so I really didn't get into like the North Stars or anything like that. Um, but I got definitely got into the Minnesota Wild after I, you know, was pretty close friends with a lot of hockey players. And I think I saw the Gophers. I, I went to the XL Energy Center when the Gophers beat Maine in overtime for the national championship. And that was an amazing feeling and experience. And I, I credit that game as the the game that really got me hooked on hockey, I guess. But at that point, it, I was kind of past, you know, Hey, I'm going to play now. So, so yeah, I guess, and, and maybe that's why I'm still such a big fan of it, I guess, is because I did come to it late and I, it's not tired. It's, it's still, I'm still finding new things to do or finding out new things every day, basically. Yeah, I know, I know, uh, I don't speak for myself, but I, after doing hockey full time for a little while, I know that it was like coming home and like, Oh, Hey, I'm gonna watch a Blackhawks just felt like a slog because it's like, you're bringing your homework or your work home with you and you're just sure. like is there anything else i can be doing but uh <laughs> my wife gets she gets f- like furiously mad at me like it's all like we'll have these showcase weekends where like um or we'll have like a i'll do a summer tournament and uh you know it'll be eight games in like three or four days and then you know i'm like usually fishing around for like a devil's game to watch when i get home <laughs> 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 it's like it's like like there's other things going on in the world, buddy. You know, you, you can do some <laughs> right. other stuff. You can you can pick up a hobby. I'm not into needlecraft or any. Yeah, my wife, um, she she humors me, I think, most of the time. I, I, I tell people now, too, that I'm I've, I'm so much of a hockey fan that the NHL isn't isn't enough hockey for me, basically. So like, I, I'll tell her random, you know junior hockey information and she's like okay yeah that's great honey that's oh cool <laughs> and then every once in a while she'll pull out like a oh you know he was drafted in the second round or whatever i'm like good job sweetie nice. <laughs> i'm proud it's, of you it's kind of a, it's like embarrassing sometimes like it you're is. getting these conversations with people and they're like oh so what do you like do like i i have no like i, I have very few like male friends that i hang out with I'm disclosing yeah. a lot of information here. I go to the <laughs> rink, I drive home, I hang out with my kids. But then, like, uh, like mm-hmm. what are your hobbies? Ah, it's like, you know, I watch TV, I go to the rink, and I coach hockey. I take my kids to hockey. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, honestly, Elite Prospects is it, Elite Prospects is my hobby, and it was my hobby, um, you know, until I started getting paid for it. <laughs> and really, that's that's all thanks to Premium because – so. I mean, you guys don't even have to ask me questions. I'll just tell you all about it. Like, <laughs> we, to, I mean, we, hey, you're better at doing segues than I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> we we basically, uh, uh, I mean, I've been with Elite Prospects for what? I, almost eight, like seven or eight years now, I think. And um, like when I first started, we were a lot smaller, I would say. Um, and we had a general email that was posted on like the front page where anybody who's anybody could just send us a contact request basically and, and send us a request. Well, about three or four years ago or something, that that was a little bit too much. We started getting just, you know, thousands of requests all the time. And so it, we kind of realized, like, hey, people like our website. That's awesome. Like, they like what we're doing. They really like <laughs> us. Um, but we couldn't keep up with it. And so we were kind of, our customer service was going down, I guess, because there were just too many people that wanted to do it. And so we... And all of our revenue is ad-based. Like, just, you know, you come to our website, there's an advertisement. 
that's how we make money off of you because we gotta we gotta pay for the servers to host almost a million people you know like we gotta pay for the the space online on the cloud um and so yeah all of that was was ad-based and then yeah once we were, were just getting inundated with emails we started premium and so now to send us an email you have to you have to pay a little bit of money heaven forbid um, and it's not too much. I think it's nine bucks, nine bucks a month or like a $99 for a year or something like that is, is like the standard price. And, uh, and yeah, we still get thousands, like hundreds and thousands of emails, <laughs> but we now have a steady, we now have a steady revenue and we can pay some of the people that are volunteers like myself, um, to answer those emails and we've you know been able to pay for social media people now and now we have pre we need we have ringside too so we you know write yep. articles and stuff like that and just this year we started our cup series our ep cup series so now we've got we've got that going on we got a lot of stuff going on so um but yeah most of that is is thanks to premium so i i appreciate anybody who's listening that might be a premium member because you <laughs> helped me out quite a bit and and yeah, I'm just one piece of the pie. Like there's there's many people that are still volunteers um, that help us out with, you know, some of the more obscure league, like European leagues and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm just one of like five people that answer the emails. <laughs> and I'm also probably one of the people that's dumb enough to be public about it because you know, I I talk about it on Twitter and and people find me and then they ask me to help them. So that. It doesn't bother me too much, but that was one of the things people are like, eh, you might not want to tell people where you work because you're <laughs> going to get the crazies will come out and you'll hear some interesting stuff. But, but yeah, I want to so touch on I that. Think... We want to touch on that. Or go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead, Trim. Go ahead. Oh, so I, I, you know, I, I think the, Bo, I think, I think this, the site is a tremendous service. I think it's really opened doors for a lot of kids who, uh, you know, maybe at a certain level that they played at, uh, you know, at the level that I coach and recruit for, we I may not have been interested in because of the level they played at, but then you see their production, uh, wherever it sure. may be, and then you're like, oh, wow, this kid is somebody to take a look at. So it's really, it's a tremendous service, and it's really, it's unbelievable, the whatever algorithm that can capture so much information so quickly and get that into the into the system. I think it's tremendous. I think it's awesome. Uh, the yeah, one glitch, they... though, I have. Oh, <laughs> the one glitch. Thank you, is, but is that... let's see what we have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had a parent last year. He was he was um, he married into money, and he just like basically drove his kid to the rink all day, and he he uh, had a lot of complaints about things. He was an interesting guy. To no, say the least. those those don't <laughs> exist. They're like I've, I've heard so, a few of these. Yes. So <laughs> there was a connection between game sheet and the uh-huh. elite prospects um, information. So. He yes. said he got this interview with GameSheet, the CEO, and he was going to sit down with him and get it all worked out. Well, it's still the same glitch. We're existing in a year later, so I'm sure that that fell on pretty oh, deaf ears. Oh, what one but, is it? Is it is the GAA not calculating correctly, or is yeah? yeah. So I guess you input the information, like you, a kid scores in, on GameSheet, and that gets uploaded uh-huh. to their respective state website. But then it can't be put into the Elite Prospects website unless you do it manually which then screws up the information on the game totals on the state website. So huh. those kind of, this is a broad-based question, but sure. those kind of questions, when you have those kind of glitches, how do you guys address those internal problems with the uh, with the Elite Prospects website? 
Yeah, so I mean, one of the other benefits is we've been able to hire some uh, some IT people that help us out um, with with glitches just like that, and a lot of it is gathering statistics from different sources like GameSheet or uh, Point Streak. I guess used to be a really popular one. Sports Engine, oh, yeah. uh, like you know, Hockey Shift, I think is another one. And so we've got we've got different. Um, We've got different tools that will grab stats from those databases. Those, nah, they're not data. Those like sources. Here, we'll call them sources. Um, and usually, we can set those up to grab that data every night at like one a.m. or two a.m. or something like that. We'll automatically get that information. Um, but but sometimes things break. So I think like with the EHL, um, actually, right now there is an issue with Game Sheet specifically. Um, and I don't think it's EHL, but it's like the THF, I think. Is that a, the Tier 1 Hockey Federation or something like that? Um, it was one, where... it was the, issue, the issue I had in question was it was one of the youth hockey pro, league, leagues okay. we were operating out on the East Coast. So that's that's what it was from, yeah. I got you. There was, but, they, but basically the game sheet was calculating their GAA for goals against um, off of a 45-minute game, but they were playing 51-minute games. And so all of their GAAs were actually correct on elite prospects because we were able to manipulate it around to basically take their, their minutes played. And then we were able to figure it out basically, but um, it, but it didn't match what was on their game sheet. And so they would send us a message like, Hey, my GAA is wrong. It's like, actually game sheets wrong. We're right, but you know, <laughs> I digress. Uh, the other That's thing, amazing. actually, with the with the EHL is that um, when a kid got traded in the EHL, and I think it's still the case now, um, yes. if a kid plays for more than one EHL team, our database will pull their most recent team. But the way it's set up on the EHL website is that it it shows that all of their points are coming from the current team they play on. But the way that it's set up on our website is it will like show the points from their old team, and then it looks like they have twice the points basically almost. And so for I've that kind that. of stuff, we actually have to turn off the automatic updates for. The, well, we actually usually we turn off the auto of stats for that player, um, and then manually update it, you know, at the end of the year or something like that. And, and oftentimes people will be like, Hey, my stats aren't updating anymore. Like they're way old. And it's like, well, you got traded and you're the, in the EHL. And we've tried to talk to, I think some, a couple people in the EHL. Hey, maybe Andrew can help. You can help me out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, a <laughs> that glitch was the with how the website's set up. Yeah. Yeah. Actually yeah. I'm, I'm here to <laughs> drag actually... you, <laughs> but, but we're yeah, there's glitches like that. And, and oftentimes, <laughs> oftentimes we can figure it out on our end, but sometimes we have to, come up with a workaround and try to try to do the best that we can with what we have, I guess. And I don't it's know. It's an amazing service question, for sure. But, <laughs> to, uh, but there are to, mistakes sometimes. For sure. Oh, of course. No, we expect perfection from EP. That's for sure. That's all we can. <laughs> we try. We strive for perfection. Oh yeah. No, uh, take a step back though. So we talked about, like I said, two years ago, I think it was when I tried to do my own, podcast and uh that didn't take off i still still have the audio though so we can always you do put Great. that in the, the archives <laughs> yeah so we can always bring that up it's a much much longer and much more detailed great interesting story though we will say that it was very fun um but to kind of like take a step back uh what 
So how did you get into working for Elite Prospects as a volunteer to begin with Oof, to where you are Good question. Now? Good question. So back then, I um, I wanted to get, have a career in hockey. I guess that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, and this was before I met my wife or whatever, um, I kind of was reserved to the fact that I was never going to meet anybody and I was going to be single forever. And I was like, well, I love hockey. So let's see if I can work in hockey. <laughs> so I, I actually, I studied abroad in Sweden. Um, and while I was in Sweden, I went to a couple of, of games, um, in the, like their second tier league. I studied abroad in Umeå, Sweden, which is way Northern Sweden. Um, and there were like three or four guys on their team that were from the U S and so I was like, well, that's crazy. How'd they get, how'd these guys end up here? Like, I know why I'm here. What are these guys doing here? So I, I had a, like, like a burner phone that I basically got from another, like a previous exchange student. Anyway, um, I had a phone, so I looked them up and I looked them up on, on Swedish Google. And the first thing that came up was elite prospects. And I was like, Hey, this is pretty sweet. Like I found out that one of them, you know, played D one, um, back in the States and, you know, one of them, you know, had been drafted at one point and now he ended up in the European leagues. And so I thought it was really cool. And so then I came back to the States after studying abroad and, um, I started doing announcing for a junior team in the USPHL. Uh, I started doing play-by-play -play announcing for them. They don't exist anymore. They were the river falls renegades. Um, yeah. but I, um, yeah, I started doing some announcing for them and I, at this point, again, I'm from Owatonna, so I, we didn't have a huge hockey team. I knew that hockey was important in Minnesota, high school hockey. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know how important high school hockey was in Minnesota until I really world. started working until I really started working in hockey in Minnesota. So anyway, there's tier three junior, not not amazing most of the time, but but it you know can get people to college like D three, you know, ACHA, that kind of stuff. Um, it, and a lot of these kids were, were cut from like their high school team. Like there were maybe juniors or seniors that didn't make it on like to a really big association. And so they were looking for places to play and I didn't know who any of them were. And so I tried to look, I went to my handy dandy, you know, mobile phone and tried to look them up on elite prospects. And I noticed that their elite, like some of them didn't have an elite prospects page. Some of them had one, but it was like, you know, three or four weeks out of date. And so me being who I am, I just, you know, I sent in a DM I, or no, actually I sent a tweet to elite prospects saying, Hey, my name is Bo. I work for, you know, River Falls Renegades in the, you know, USPHL. I noticed your stats are out of date by a couple like weeks. Can I help? That's, I think that's literally about what, what the tweet said. And uh -oh. in like two or three <laughs> days, in like two or three days, I had a login. I, I, they're like, Hey, yeah, we, you know, USPHL is a website or is a league that we don't really have anybody covering very closely. So we are only able to update it, you know, once a month or whatever. Like if, if you are interested in helping us, here you go. Like here's the keys <laughs> to the kingdom. And, and it's, I had never looked back since really, to be honest, I, I spent the rest of that season, um, updating USPHL stats. Um, mostly just like my team and my division or whatever. 
because back then it was all manual. Everything was manual. Like literally, wow. I would I would go to the River Falls page. I would start at you know number one on the roster, and I would I would enter in like you know four goals, two two assists, like ten pims oh, tap. Man. Like I would do it for everybody, everybody, everybody. Then I would update that team, and then I'd be like, well, now I got to update the Rum River Mallards or whatever, or <laughs> you know the <laughs> the Forest Lake Lakers or something like that. So I um it was all manual and it took a lot of time. And so it literally took me a lot of my downtime just to update one league, one division of one league. Thank God the next season we is when we started doing automatic stats updates. So then it's, I like to tell people it's kind of like Ron Popeil. You set it and forget it. Like you, some people that are listening to this probably don't even know what that means, but anyway, I'm guessing you guys <laughs> might, uh, is you, you know, you, at the beginning of the season, you get the roster and you get all the players and you can kind of, what you do is you match them all up with the elite prospects player to like the stats line. And then the computer okay. remembers like, okay, this, this elite prospects player belongs to this line of data. And then every night at one o'clock it runs and it updates. Like if, if a change was made, it makes the change on elite prospects and it always matches. It's beautiful. The only thing that you have to do is you have to kind of babysit it. Um, because what happens sometimes is the the season will start and so and so is injured. Like they you know, they broke their hand on the fourth of July or something like that, being a dumbass and <laughs> playing with fireworks or something, you know? And so they didn't st- they didn't they weren't able to start the season, but they were able to start in game five. Well I set up this automatic update in game one. And so this line of data, this guy all of a sudden that plays in game five didn't exist. And so Elite Prospect says, whoa, this guy, he wasn't there before. You got to do something about it. And like, I can set it up to send me an email if it's a higher profile league that I want to keep an eye on. Or I can just every once in a while, I'll go back and I'll say, hey, let's look at all these teams for the USPHL. Oh, three teams are out of compliance or three teams are red. So you click on that team, you mash that one player up and then everything turns green and everything's happy again. So that's 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 kind of what i do there but but yeah that's basically how i got involved with elite prospects is i sent him a tweet and and then i started doing minnesota high school hockey updates and and then i started doing all sorts of stuff so i could talk about that for for all night but but yeah i I think bo that's really fantastic like that that story because like um you know there's so many opportunities in hockey kids don't know about uh, yeah. They think that the only avenue in hockey is that they have to play in the NHL or play professional hockey. But, you know, the, 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 the market and the world of hockey is so greatly changed in the last 15 years where you can get into coaching, recruiting, scouting. You can get into training oh, yeah. and development. You can get into the back office stuff in leagues. You can get into mm-hmm. broadcasting. You can get into um, technology. I mean, I, I still think that Instat is Instat Productions is probably run by a, a Russian uh, troll farm out and like uh, they're, they're mapping out kids when they step on the ice. I'm not sure about that Instat software, but if you had any advice to give to um, give to a kid who's in that position that you were in 10 years ago, what would that sure. be, advice be? Oh, man. Um, yeah. I mean, like you said, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity and really it's uh I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I guess I, I'm kind of privileged that I was able to volunteer with Elite Prospects as long as I did before they started paying me. 
Um, I mean, I just, I, I had a pretty decent job. And so literally all of my, this was my hobby, like I said. So when I got home, uh, you know, once upon a time, I might've, you know, sat in front of the Xbox and played, you know, Halo two or something like that, which is the game that I used to play. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but now, you know, I got home from, from work and I just, you know, logged on and started updating stuff and, and really kind of leverage the brand i guess so so I, I was able to use that to kind of get to know people grow my network and stuff like that uh which is you know how i met a lot of people like like trevor <laughs> and uh, and uh and others um but really i think it's it's cool nowadays because you can you can get to know a lot of people online and really i think hockey is is a much smaller and maybe it's true for other sports too but just because i'm involved in hockey so much it's it's a lot smaller community than you think. And the interesting thing is because so many people get promoted within organizations or whatever, and it, it, they don't go outside very often, which can be looked at as a downside, you know, a coach that I'm a, a high school coach that I met like three or four years ago, that was clearly driven. And like you like, Hey, this coach was reaching out to me to update their team at a high school level. Well, lo and behold, you know, four years later all of a sudden that that guy's a us a ushl gm or he's mm-hmm. like like all of a sudden this person's the director of scouting for for you know one of the top tier one hockey leagues you know in the u.s and it's or you know there's actually quite a few that are like all of a sudden i have people that i know from like four or five years ago that are division one assistant coaches or something crazy like that and so it's like don't I guess one of my best advices I was I would give to anybody like that is don't burn any bridges and and like lean on your network because three like if you really like this in three or four years is if you were good to those people they'll remember you and all of a sudden you'll have an in with you know USHL or a division one team or like you know something like that so that's probably the best advice I could give no for sure one thing I do uh, really respect that you've done, um, especially, you know, in the past is with, uh, you know, women's hockey, where you've gone through, especially on the girls' high school side, you've asked for a lot yeah. of information to keep keep their stats relevant. Um, and I, because, I mean, as we, we all know, it's not, it's there, but it's not as yeah. publicized as the boys is. And, you know, depending on, you know, I mean, I think women's hockey is just as fun to watch as men's hockey, especially Olympic time, which is not, not trying to say, Oh, just, that's not just the best part. But I mean, obviously when you're watching us and it's, Canada battle it out, it's, yeah. it, it's awesome. I mean, that's, that's a heated rivalry right there. Oh, um, for sure. So one it's thing the I've best always rivalry pre- in hockey, in my opinion. Yeah. And so, I mean, one of the things that I've always appreciated is that you've gone out and I'm, I mean, I remember when you were a couple of years ago when, you're really first starting out, um, and you were just hitting anybody up on Twitter, even just blasting it out, saying, "Hey, you know, I'm looking for stats from this year for this girls' team, yeah. this and that." And you know, like out there, there's you were like the only person, not the well, probably what I saw was uh, looking for this type of information. So I think that's uh, you know, kudos for you yeah, f- for doing that. It's cool. Um, well, I mean, I I literally just told you guys how small hockey is. Women's hockey is smaller, like it's still growing so much. And, um, I think my, one of my favorite things about women's hockey and, and girls hockey, I guess, is that, um, I mean, like everybody knows everybody. And, and I think 
they're so much more appreciative, I guess. I don't know. I mean, there, there are definitely some, some, you know, boys, hockey players and coaches and stuff that I help that, that are, that appreciate what you're doing or whatever. But on the girls side, they like, if, if you just say like, Hey, I'm trying to, you know, verify this information, they'll like light up like, Oh, you, you want to know this stuff? Yeah, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> yeah. do. And, and so, and I think one of the interesting things about what I do, I guess, with elite prospects is, I guess I'll, I, I haven't really told you guys like, so I used, I did USPHL, then I did boys and girls high school. Um, and now I, I do, I still do Minnesota hockey updates on elite prospects. That's like my, my zone that I try to stay in most of the time. But then I also do like women's in North America. So I, I don't do as much in Canada, mostly us, but that covers a lot of things. Um, so oh, like yeah. there's PHF, there's the, uh, PWHPA, um, and then there's, you know, division one women's hockey three, and it kind of goes on down, but really I, I take care of a lot of all of that. And so I actually, um, start, I got elite prospects is partnered with the PHF this year. They actually started that, I think at the very end of last season. Um, so awesome. we have a partnership with them where they're, we gave all their players free elite prospects premium for a year for the 22, 23 season. Um, and we're just kind of trying to help them promote themselves on elite prospects. And then we kind of get their feedback and try and try and help build that end up too. So we use them kind of to, to, to help us get better, I guess, to be honest, and to help grow our women's coverage as well, because a lot of them are also coaches in the women's side. And so they're also able to update their players information and that kind of stuff. But, um, but that was pretty cool. That was one of the first things I ever uh, partnerships I ever kind of set up. So, um, but yeah, I do a lot of stuff with, with women's and girls hockey. And, and I think uh, it's growing big time, like really a lot right now. So, I mean, I think we're going to probably see a, a women's junior league here before you know it, I would think. And a lot of what we do is, is prospect stuff. So we try to cover people before they get to, you know, the NHL, I guess, or before they get to the PHF or whatever on the girls' side. And uh, and and that's really growing quite a bit. And, I mean, the reason I started doing girls' stuff with Elite Prospects is because our girls' coverage wasn't great. I mean, I remember even two years ago, I would be updating Division One like incoming rosters for Division One girls hockey, and there would be girls that are Division One caliber girls that we didn't even have in the database until they got to Division One college hockey, and that really, I was like, you got to be kidding me! I mean, most of the time on the boys' side, even a D three boys player has like three or four years of data before they get to college, you know, they got the and mite so stats it, and yeah, so learn to skate. <laughs> that kind of is the, was the, know, whatever got me going, I guess, to really try and up our, our girls coverage is like, I don't know. I didn't think that was acceptable. You gotta be kidding me. These, these girls, they gotta be on here. And, and the biggest downside to that is that, a lot of times the data is not there. Like it's, they, they literally might not have even been on a website until they got to, and it's just, just boggles my mind. But I think if I continue doing kind of what you said, you know, <laughs> throwing some associations under the bus or throwing some AAA organizations under the bus saying like, Hey, can I get positions for this roster? Or can I get like birth years or something like, right. <laughs> then hopefully that will, 
at least show them that somebody's interested in like maybe they'll kind of slowly get better and better and stuff so that's, that's amazing I, I couldn't agree with you more Bo in terms of like that giving that the voice to the to women's hockey there's so much of it out there that but you, the information's so tough to gather for sure yeah um, you know and speaking about like you know how I'm glad you like described how you guys gather the information you don't create the information uh, with no. that in mind what is the craziest email you've ever gotten <laughs> Man. I'm sure it's a loaded oh. question because I'm sure he's got plenty of them. <laughs> um, I, I, so there's, I guess there's kind of a legendary behind the scenes player <laughs> that I, from a European uh, country and I'm any UE prospect staff that might happen to listen to this. will we'll know what I'm talking about, but they, he was actually like a fighter and a hockey player. And he was like 10 or 12 or something like that years old. He had a YouTube channel and you like, you could just tell that it wasn't, it wasn't the kid that was doing this by any means. And uh, yeah, there were a couple years where we were getting quite a few emails to, to get this kid in there. And in North America, our coverage typically doesn't start until Bantams. Um, 13U, 14U. 15U, depending on what state you're in. Um, but, I mean, we have a couple exceptions for that. But but in Europe, I feel like it's about the same. It's usually about 14, 15 when we start covering kids. And so, like, we had to tell this person, like, hey, you're not you're not old enough to be on here yet. And, and we kept getting messages back saying, like, you guys are going to regret not having us on your database and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> oh so gosh. that was an interesting – that was, like, on the crazy spectrum, that was probably the craziest email I've ever gotten or multiple emails we've gotten. Um, <laughs> I guess there – like, let's go to the the better side, I guess, was the um, – I don't know if you guys remember this, but maybe two or three or four years ago even, there was a goalie that sent us an email – that uh said that he was like a beer leaguer or like he was a he, he i can't remember how it went but it went viral um and i think spit and chicklets like put it out and um because we we took like a screenshot of it we kept the kid's name out or something but it was a really funny email he's like he, he did it for the boys and like his stats weren't very good but i don't remember what he was even asking us for or what if he was just thanking <laughs> us or something but it went viral his name is ben um his last name starts with a z I can't remember his name, uh, but I remember when that started going viral, I was like, Hey, this, this is cool. Like this is getting a lot of traction. <laughs> and, um, my boss was like, we gotta, we gotta see if we can publish this kid's like profile because we, we updated his profile with this little quote that he wanted us to, us to put on there, but nobody knew whose profile was. So it became this like hunt, like people on the internet were trying <laughs> to find this kid's profile. And so my boss is like, Hey, can you reach out to like, can you send an email back to this guy or get in contact with this guy so we can see if we can just put his name out there so people can find him. Cause you know, this, this has turned into a really cool story. And, and so I sent him a message back and we ended up getting in touch on Instagram and, and yeah, it was, it was just really fun. I, I should look him up. I feel like <laughs> had to find his MySpace. See, yeah. <laughs> he played for North, he played for Norwich. Ben Zargay, I don't know how to Z A R G A J. Zargay. That's sounds that's a mouthful. But uh, <laughs> oh man, that was a fun one. 
Yeah, it looks like he maybe never even started a started a season. Most games played we were thirteen games in a ACHA Division Two for Norwich and uh but uh oh he's it says medi- mediocre career but loves the boys and the boys love him or something like that. Ah. He sounds like it was, hockey's it was version fun. of Caleb Presley. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's that was a crazy thing that went viral that was uh that was fun. It was and I was kind of behind the scenes trying to trying to promote the kid too and and all that but but yeah we get some crazy ones there's and the nice thing honestly 98 percent of the time they're just kids trying to update their height and weight or something or you know just trying to get their information corrected or whatever because you know unfortunately it is um i mean even though we have so many we have so many leagues that we have to cover and we have quite a few volunteers there's a lot of hockey out there and like we could we could use help to be honest if somebody listening to this um you know really loves a league that doesn't get great coverage you know send me a message and i'll see if i can get you to help out the elite prospects crew because yeah there's a lot of stuff out there that that we could use more coverage on and we just don't have the man hours to to do it but as as premium keeps growing and all that kind of stuff hopefully we can get to those those other levels and whatnot because there's fun stories there too no, that's that's awesome. I, I can only imagine the. I mean, I know we deal with p- parents at different levels and uh, different levels of insanity at times. But I can only imagine what you know, as you've said, you know, the heights and the weights, especially like, oh, my kid's actually two inches taller, like, and they think oh, that's yeah. gonna make a world of difference. Where it might for some, I guess, you know. But yeah, I can, we got to keep I an eye out for some of imagine. those kids that that claim that they're six foot eight or whatever. Some of it's legit, but yeah, some of it not so much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I remember there was a kid that found me on on LinkedIn before I even had like had Elite Prospects on my Twitter or whatever. They found me because I put that I volunteered for Elite Prospects on my LinkedIn, and yeah, I've had had a couple people reach out to me on that way. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> That's unreal. That's amazing. Uh, Andrew, you got anything else? No, this has been awesome, Bo. This is uh, really enlightening. Like the uh, the back office, I've never put a face to a name or a face to a website. So this is great. Yeah. Hey, yeah, no, I, it's uh, just one, one of many, like I said, so. No, we appreciate it. And like, as uh, you know, Andrew just said, it's, you know, you're on the, we're on one side of the hockey, you know, spectrum sure. in the world and you're on the other. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can personally thank you because you've kept me busy at work for, plenty of hours in the past and i know my bosses don't listen to this so but i can only tell you how many times i've gone down the rabbit hole of oh so and so played here let's see who's on that team oh so and so play oh my god oh yeah we're the ultimate like bosses you know the people pony up to the bar and they're like oh yeah i played with so and so yeah let's check your elite prospects or whatever (laughs) it's funny actually okay one last random small story so i didn't have a tiktok I ended up having to get TikTok because Elite Prospects was trending on TikTok because girls <laughs> were using Elite Prospects to look up the height of the boy, like the hockey kid they wanted, were going to go on a date with or something like that. And saying like, <laughs> nah, man, like I'll pass on that. You're only 5'8 or something like that. Like check your Elite Prospects and oh God, I... I don't need to go on TikTok ever again because that was that was something else. <laughs> hey, hey, don't don't show, you got to make sure height and weight. You got to keep those up to date. It's a big short change when you go from five 
five nine to six foot, buddy. You know, those yeah, two, well, three inches make all the difference if the kid's going to hey, get a date that, or not. That TikTok trend honestly probably gained us some premium subscribers because, you know, boys are like, oh, man, I got to be taller. These girls won't date me. And the girls oh, are geez. hunting even more and they're going through. There's going to be up. nobody on, on uh, Elite Prospects at 5'10 or 5'11 anymore. They're all going to yeah. be six foot plus. Yeah, it's like six foot or pass. Like, you know, swipe. Yeah. I'm done. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Bo, no, we appreciate you coming on, uh, taking some time out of your uh, busy life for sure. Because, uh, like yeah. you said, I do know that uh, this is, you know, not your main main job, but uh, something you love, you, you're passionate about, and uh, yeah. we do appreciate you, you know, sharing at least opening a little bit of the, uh, you know, the book there and showing us a little bit more of uh, what goes on. So, uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, yeah. We look forward to. We'd love to have you on again at some point and discuss a little bit more, maybe in detail stories. There's come more. Up, there's uh... more stories in here somewhere, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> but I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, you know anybody that if, wants uh, to talk to me, I'm I'm always on Twitter. So <laughs> that's what I was about to say. Uh, do you want to just put out uh, what your uh, the best way to reach you is if anyone has any questions, comments, concerns? It's Twitter. Yeah, uh, I mean I'm at Bonos Hockey. Um, and Bo is spelled B-E-A-U. Um, it's a play on the old Bo knows, um, if you remember Bo Jackson or whatever, but, um, yeah, I, uh, Bo knows hockey and, um, I, I have an Instagram, but I, I rarely check it. I honestly have Instagram because I do a lot of women's hockey and girls hockey coverage. That's where they do a lot of their commitments and stuff like that. So on Instagram, I think I'm at Bo knows hockey, but I've got underscores. So it's at Bo <laughs> underscore knows underscore hockey. So Someone um, took the other yeah, one. Yeah, I guess you can find me on LinkedIn too if you want to. Like, <laughs> we, won't, we, we won't go that. <laughs> but too, yeah, too mostly far. Twitter. Mostly Twitter. So yeah, that you'll find me there. I'm on there all the time. Well, Bo, thanks for your time. Uh, we appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Hopefully, it won't be another couple of years. It'll be uh, shorter in between. <laughs> That'd be great. Thanks, Thank Bo. You, All right. Well, that was our interview with Bo Marchwick, uh, with Leap Prospects. Again, uh, you can find him on Twitter at Bo Knows Hockey. Uh, definitely a great follow for any and all hockey fans uh, or coaches, players alike. Um, so yeah. It. Uh, any any other thoughts before we uh, jump on, jump away from to a different segment? Yeah, I love the stuff he brought up about girls hockey. I love his his start in 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 the business, and then. One thing that I really struck me is like like you mentioned earlier in the podcast that he didn't actually play hockey himself, but he has a passion for the game. And so many kids, um, when they're coming up through hockey, they may find eventually down the road that their career doesn't take them to where it needs to go, and and they can't make hockey a career on the ice. But there's so many more opportunities in hockey uh, that exist outside the playing surface. You can get involved with these great websites that are out now. You can get involved with writing podcasts. You can get involved with coaching and player development, with management, with being an athletic trainer, being a broadcaster. I mean, there are so many things and avenues where you can keep the game alive and grow the game. And I think Bo is a great example of that. No, definitely. I was kind of surprised you didn't say referee there, but uh, I don't know if I want to be a referee, (laughs) referee nowadays either, but yeah, no, definitely. Um, with him, you know, his lack of hockey uh, playing experience, it's uh, 
again, you, there's so much out there you can do. And, um, you know, especially with the analytics side, and I know it's kind of a different part of the interview itself. It had nothing, this has nothing to do with it, but I found more and more that a lot of the people like on, again, Twitter that you follow that do all the, you know, the, the by hand tracking of stats and stuff in the analytics community, a lot of them didn't play hockey. But yeah. so, I mean, so that's another huge avenue right there. And, and one that's ever growing, if anything. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it definitely was great to hear because, yeah, there's just so many different avenues to stay in the game. And I know that he's doing it as a part time job now. But even if it's just a hobby, you know, you're still in the game somehow. So, yeah, that was uh, that was fun. So fun, funny little story here. So uh, in the I'd say the mid 90s, uh, my grandfather, Dick Trimble, was the uh, head of the off ice officials for the New Jersey Devils for about 25 years. Uh, from their first season in 1982-83, and then up until about about a year before he passed, he, he you know they had the lockout, and he passed the year after that. Um, and they got trained as office officials in the NHL in like 95, 96, right when they had that. Remember that Fox, the Fox Network had that glowing puck. Yep. Yeah. Around around that time, they started to do all these advanced stats, and the NHL would keep them. And uh, it was like time on the ice. It was like, you know, plus minus was more advanced. They started to come out with the Alka-Seltzer plus plus minus award for the year. Um, And all just like all the information that we now consider analytics came out of these uh, initial um, computer-based modules that came out in the mid-90s. And my grandfather got trained on that. I remember like um, him telling my dad about it. My dad is more of a baseball guy. He's more of a baseball, football guy. Uh, And I remember my dad was like, what the, what the, what do you need that information for? Guy hits another guy, you put the puck in the net, you shoot it. Like he had no idea that this idea, like he was like, you don't need that lead information. It's so stupid. But my grandfather was like really excited about it because he was a hockey guy at his core. And now we yeah. fast forward 30 years later and it's like every team in the league has that. That's their whole, that's their whole the, uh, scouting department is based upon analytics of players. And, and uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's uh, that's that's pretty awesome. Especially, you know, all things considered, you said your dad. You know, baseball. That's all analytics right now. It's <laughs> every decision, every pitch, everything is made based on analytics. So my dad goes uh, by his gut. You know, <laughs> bring in the lefty. Hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, he keeps signaling for him. Why is he doing that? <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I did not know that about the working for the Devils. That's very cool. Um, yeah, so I mean, well, that said, I guess we can jump into our five myths for this week. Uh, which awesome! I think we had a good topic. I did. Yeah, it was one that I uh, was thinking as I was creating my own. But uh, I'll uh, this week's five myths is uh, what are the five myths of practices, and we'll look at it from a player standpoint. So. You had number one, so fire away, sir. All right. This is a classic. This affects everything from, like, mites up to junior players. And I don't know. I mean, pro players, they shouldn't affect them at a certain point. But it definitely <laughs> sure affects it junior players. <laughs> number one, I'm in the back of the line, so coach isn't paying attention. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so, number one, if, I, if I'm on the ice, usually I give the first kid in line the benefit of the doubt. You know, like for, if you're first kid in line, I just drew it up on the dry erase or demonstrated or whatever. If you mess up a little bit, usually the second guy in line, he gets a shot at it. 
Um, but if you're like the fifth guy in line and you still screw up the drill, you're getting it the worst because you have no excuses. You've now watched people in front of you screw up. So if you're in the back of the line, you better be paying the most attention. <laughs> Which never happens anyway. Ever. No, because you'd think that's common sense, but when you get to that point, it doesn't happen that way. No, it's uh, it's funny you say that because yeah, it's you've had as you said that fifth guy's had been able to watch four others screw it up, and I'm sure the coaches said why they've screwed it up. So if, but then again, there's a reason why they're in the back of the line probably because they yeah. just don't know what's going on. Period. But yeah, no, I like that one. I I got number two here. Um, yeah, which is. Uh, I didn't score, therefore I didn't do well, and this is in in, pro, in process for the drill. Um, I think everybody thinks that there needs to be a, a determined outcome on every drill, when in reality, and I'm going to try not to blend my next one into this, um, there's not, you know, if you're a forward in the drill and you didn't score, the goalie saved it or whatever, like, that's okay still. Like, you're still working towards, you know, all the other things that are within the drill. And again, it could be a flow drill. It could be a regroup drill. Yeah, we all want to score on everything, but there's so much more involved that in a game, as you you know, again, I don't know why I keep saying as you know, because you already know. Uh, In a game, um, not everything's going to end with a, a goal. So we still have to, though, you know, still have to work on our passing. We still have to work on the edge work. We still got to work on our positioning, you know, timing. So, if you don't score, especially, you know, it's easy to say because the younger kids are just always get so deflated if they don't score or whatever. Yeah, but sure. if you don't score, it's okay. There's more to what's going on, like, you know, than what is, you know, let me phrase this. There's more going on than just having to score the goal in the drill. No different than if you are the goalie or a defenseman. Oh, I, I didn't, you know, I got scored on. Well, so what? Okay, well, what else is going on in the drill? Why did that happen? This and that. Like, it's not the end of the world type situation. That's why it's called practice, you know. And I'm not going to pull out my Allen Iverson here, but, uh, you know, it's it, it's just practice. Like, we're here to get better in other areas besides scoring and, and not scoring. It's leading up to that. So I think it, it reminds me of something. So this week uh, we were just going over a little bit in the office. Um, we had, we had some injuries, some kids, uh, um, one, one or two kids, you know, we had, we traded or moved away from our, our EHL team. Uh, so it's, we're down to like, you know, 13 forwards or so. Uh, so basically everybody's in the lineup playing. Um, but we were kind of like, uh, I was laughing with the other coaches and, and one of the other coaches, Tim Coons brought up office space and he said, uh, he quoted a line and they had the sit down meetings with those guys who were evaluating their job positions. And he was, he said, what is it exactly that you do here? (laughs) And uh, he's like defending his job. He's saying, I'm a people person. I take (laughs) the stuff from the engineers to the, and and, uh, some kids need to realize that. Like you're not, you're not, if you're you're not in the top six amongst forwards, you don't have to score to be an effective player. You can find a different role on the team. And, as a coach evaluating a you know cross ice three on three or, or a drill like that, you're looking for their play away from the puck, just as you are looking at their play with the puck. So Absolutely. you don't have to score every shift, but you need to be impactful and doing the right things each shift to get really noticed by a coach. A good coach can 
recognize those other things you are doing when you don't have the puck in your stick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do here exactly? Yeah, what, what would you say you do here? Was it the Bobs? I think it was it. It the, was the Bobs. The, the, yep. the Bobs, yeah. Hey, Bob. How's it going, Bob? So, yeah, uh, you right. got number three. I got number three. You're starting to get a little Allen Iverson Eve on my end, but I'll do my best <laughs> job. Okay. Number three is it's just practice. It's not a game. Um, and I'm a firm believer that how you practice determines how you play in games. Absolutely. And we have to have our, our week is very organized in terms of like how we build up and we want to have com- very competitive practices. Uh, then towards the end of the week, have more detail oriented as you get ready for our opponents. Um, and if you are just kind of coasting out there and it's not, not serious to you, um, we're not expecting you to turn it on in the game. You're, you're not going to get an opportunity to do that. So you need to be on at all times, be competing. Uh, you need to be a good teammate in practice. Um, because that determines your playing time later in the week. And that determines your opportunities going forward. And, you know, when we talk to college coaches, that's one of the first things they ask is, you know, what is he like in practice? What is he like in the weight room? Because they don't want kids that are, you know, slugs out there not doing right, doing their right. full part. They want they want to commit to a kid who can be an impactful student athlete. So um, it's super important practice for sure. No, absolutely. And going back to that, you know, a kid can do really good in games and be, you know, at a certain level be, you know, and not have to turn it on in practices. But eventually those kids that do move up the ladder – they're going to catch you who are good practice players and are working, you know, off the ice. Um, so it's great to be a gamer, but you need to uh, you need to put that together right away real quick or before everybody catches you. And I agree. I mean, there's been times where after, you know, a Thursday practice um, or Friday, whatever, in the seasons, in the seasons past, right, I'll just turn to my coach and be like, not a good practice, not a very lethargic, you know, We'll see how the team responds, and typically, you know, that next game, it, it takes us a while to get going, if we even get going. And, you know, we were able to come back and say, guys, everything that we worked on in practice, we just had to throw out the window because, you know, we're, we're not there. We didn't bring that intensity that we needed from practice that we didn't have to the game. Well, if you don't have it in practice, you're not going to have it in the game. So I uh, I am a firm believer of the, uh, you know, if you uh, – you practice like you play, and uh, or let me rephrase that: you play like you practice. And if you don't practice hard um, or competitively, you know. And again, there's time to have fun. There's time to goof around. But if you're not bringing it during the reps, um, you know, it's just not going to transfer. So absolutely. All right, sure. F- what do you got for four? All right, number four is uh, that's why I said I didn't want to blend it in the last one because it's kind of along the same vein. But um, I messed up or I failed. Uh, if you make a mistake. Um, I think as coaches, uh, from our side, we definitely need to make sure that when players are, um, you know, when they're out on the ice, um, you know, we create an environment where it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to mess up. Um, you know, I think there's a difference between messing up and making a mistake just because of, you know, an, an accident or a fluke play, this or that, or, you know just lack of execution um, compared to a mistake made because of lack of paying attention, lack of effort. I think there's a very strong distinction between the two. And as coaches, we can identify those. So, you know, I encourage my players like, hey, you know, if you if we're doing a skating drill and you fall down, you, 
okay, it's fine. You know, I mean, I've I've stopped and I've looked, you know, mockingly and not mocking, sarcastically to my other coach in front of the team, like, man, we got some world class skaters here. Everybody's been able to stay on their feet, and nobody's, you know, you know, nobody's falling down. And it's like, guys, you know, when you're doing single leg edge work, you should most likely at least somebody should be falling down, and you shouldn't be taking like the reserve, you know, pace of, you know. Bend your knee more. Get out of that comfort zone. So, I mean, I for myself, I've always said, you know, I've always encouraged a, you know, and as long as you're working hard and you're paying attention, and if you, you mess up in the drill, it's not the end of the world. Okay, everybody has bad reps, Every, or it just didn't work out that way. You caught an edge, whatever. Like it's not the end of the world. Where, um, so for me, again, the myth is, well, if I make a mistake, you know, I'm a failure. No. It's practice. How do you get better? You know, I mean, come on, man. It's practice. It's, it's what we're talking about. It's practice here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a kid this summer. He probably, I think he's six years old. He, and I've had him for learn to skate when I was doing that in Laconia. And then he was on my son's Mike team last year. Then he went to my camp this summer. I, and I do a couple different camps. But this one was my power skating camp. It's just mornings. And uh, I had like a squints. Squints moment from Sandlot. I was like, <laughs> I can't take it anymore. And he's a kid who like, oh, great kid, super polite. They'll have him on any team ever. He's an awesome kid. But he's always stayed in that comfort zone. For like the last three years, he's been sticking in front of him and just yeah. pushing on those inside edges. And every time he gets close to that outside edge, it's like, oh, back to yeah. that inside edge. And that's his safe place. That yeah. is, is his karma, place of karma. And I had I had this I lost it. I was like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> and I said, like, Declan, you got to go grab him and just be in the corner. Don't do any of the drills. He has to know he has an outside edge in addition to an inside edge. And, uh, you know, it took him a little while and he was kind of freaking out. But, like, eventually, like, you have to get out of that place of comfort. And that's how right. you get real growth. If, if you don't get out of that place of comfort, you never grow and you stay completely comfortable and everybody surpasses you because they've been able to push themselves and figure it out. Right. And again, I'm, I've come to, it's, I've seen a lot over, especially not with the team I'm working on now. I mean, we have the same issue, but all over passing, you know, and it's a very, it's a very, it's not a skill that every kid can do. I mean, you got to really work at it. And, I've seen a lot of the teams, I mean, it's just basically from day one, it's like we are going to work as much as we can on passing, and kids will make mistakes. Even in the middle of the season, they're going to make mistakes. They get all, like, down on themselves. It's like, guys, it's practice. I don't care if you accidentally threw it into your teammates, you know, shin pads, or, you know, you put it right on their stick. You know, what I what, do I want you to? No, but that's why we're doing it. Like, okay, why did you do it? Well, you didn't have your head up. Okay. Now I know I need to get my head up. Like that's where you're going to find where the real weaknesses are and it's going, you know, within any skill. And that's how we're going to grow. That's how we are going to fix those weaknesses. Again, using passing. Oh, maybe I didn't have my head up or maybe I didn't have it on the right part of my stick or maybe I didn't hit it hard enough. We're going to find out real quick, you know, especially if it's consistent. Okay, well, hey. You keep making these "quote unquote" bad passes, but why is it? Well, maybe because you're shoot, you know, you're passing it from the toe of your blade. I don't, I don't know. I'm just hypothetically, and I hope nobody at the upper ages are doing that. But um, you know, you, you learn real quick. So I think that's just getting out of that comfort zone and realizing, like, okay, it's okay to make like mistakes here as long as I'm working hard 
and it's not one of those I'm not paying attention because those when you're making mistakes there, like back to your, oh, I'm the fifth guy in the back of the line. That that means then we got problems, um, sure. and you're now wasting not only our time as coaches, but also your teammates who were paying attention to time. Yes. And you, nobody wants to be that guy. Nobody wants to be labeled a DW. <laughs> well, I think always like, you know, obviously talent matters. I and mean, like, that's the elephant in the room always with kids. Like there's some kids who are just better than other kids. And there's some kids who are more athletically inclined for certain things than other kids. But then it's that happy place of like, if you can combine effort and coachability, those kids can do some pretty remarkable things too. And if you have Absolutely. effort and coachability, you can become a, a really good player at, at whatever level you aspire to. But now if you infuse a little bit of talent in there, the world's your oyster, you know, like, and that's exactly. what I've seen out of most of the kids who've had success either in the programs I've been involved with or our program is the kids who have effort and then they add that level of coachability. Those kids can really make mistakes, but then they can learn from it. No, absolutely. I agree. So coach, what do you got for number five here? Winning and losing doesn't matter. It's just practice. Uh, we had we had an interview with Jim Masso uh, on our I believe it was our second episode, and he yep. talked about how he likes to have um, small area games beginning or end of practice, and he holds his kids accountable um, at the end of those things, um, and they either have to do sprints or a little skating at the end of practice, and that's mirrored in a lot of other programs. We do that certainly in our program. Um, I've seen most other teams have been involved with do something similar because it builds up that callus. Right, that losing is not acceptable, or losing is not the desired outcome. So right. you have to pay a punishment when you when you do lose. And if you're in practice and you're the goalie who's getting scored on all the time, you know, you know, you got to make a change here, and you got to be competing harder in practice because uh, that's how you develop winning cultures and winning teams is by taking winning and losing seriously in those kind of situations, and then implementing that stuff into your game day. Yeah. No, I and mean, we. Uh... I agree with it because I actually, after that podcast, we, uh, you know, just to kind of kick things up a little bit of a notch, um, within practices, we, I started doing that was I once had an assistant coach, uh, parent coach who used to say, we need to gamify our practices. And, you know, for the longest time when I was in my twenties, I'm just like, well, what do you mean by like that? And I should have now looking back on it, I feel like a complete moron, like Trevor, the, like it's pretty simple what he's saying, but, um, and I am, I feel like somewhat of an articulate guy, but, uh, <laughs> I, I get it now, but you know, more or less is that we did, we've got, you know, practice jerseys are different colors. So, you know, we lump in, we make teams out of them. Okay. You know, and like, all right, we're going to do this drill. Whoever, you know, if the, if the defensive team doesn't let a puck in, you know, they, they stop the other one. Well, you know, just the score offensive teams got to do, you know, five pushups or whatever, just to kind of, pick up those competitive juices and yeah we i we typically unless we've blown through everything uh because we weren't paying attention um we'll do a small area game at the end and uh again i'll put split up a team it's like all right whoever's got to pick up pucks or whoever's gotta you know whoever loses has to pick up pucks or they we gotta skate or this or that and the kids love it because you know now we've got uh the red and black team or, or not the Red Bucks, sorry, the yellow and black team. And, uh, you know, the Batman team, they like to call each other. Well, I got to split them up sometimes because, you know, we got to put a little bit of adversity there. And, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's I, I like it. I like to keep it competitive. And, uh, you know, it does matter. It, it does because that edge p- 
pushes players and it pushes, as you said, teams. It, it gets them all on the same page, especially goalies. I mean, that's huge for goalies is if they can look at it from a game standpoint of, yeah, it's practice, but I don't want to let any pucks in no matter what. Now, again, kind of falling back to it's practice, it's going to happen. But, yeah, if you can develop that mental edge, that's that's a huge knife to have in the drawer. Absolutely. And I, I think one of the things that has been successful for us is um, making things really competitive early in the practice and mm-hmm. then making things a little bit more cerebral towards the end of practice. So, I mean, there are a thousand small area games you can do, but usually right when those kids hit the ice, if you give them like kind of a 10 minute warm up to kind of screw around or stuff like that, I found that to be kind of unsuccessful. But if you put them right. in a situation where they, they get right on the ice and we're going to work, we're going to do a two on two small area game with one net. Uh, you got to pass to the coach or pass to your line, your line to get possession yep. of the puck and they got a battle and they got, and there's physicality early on. It's like sets the stage for like, when we come out in the ice, we're going to compete. And then at the end of the ge- end of the practice session, we try to make things a little bit more cerebral, whether you're doing a power play or penalty kill scenario or like, um, you know, a multiple pass type type drill where you have to, uh, you know, keep possession of the puck or things like that. But um, because, you know, generally as the practice goes on, when they get tired, the first thing that goes is their mental awareness and their, their sharpness. They start to forget what they're doing out there. So if you kind of put the two and two together, it can kind of cr- re- create a kind of unique dynamic. And uh, we've, we found it to be pretty successful. I like that. I might, uh, I might steal that now as a coach. So no, I probably will steal. I didn't invent it. I I steal everything too. No, that's (laughs) the best coaches are the, you know, the best thieves. That's what they, whatever the saying is, but uh, that's a fact. All right. Well, before we uh, head off here, let's, uh, we'll add one, one more little tidbit, uh, with this, uh, coming the week we are recording the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, what is, Coach Trimble's favorite item for Thanksgiving. Uh, to quote, to quote somebody else, it's like picking your favorite kid. <laughs> you know? it's just, you, I you love. Give, give me some cranberry. Give me that turkey. Give me uh, <laughs> stuffing. I love green bean, ca- green bean casserole. It's like All picking right. your favorite kid, Trevor. I'm not answering that question. I don't want to no. <laughs> hurt anybody's feelings. No, yeah. Well, I even, I don't have any kids out there that I know of, so I can uh, I could probably pick. But uh, if I'm gonna go with anything, it's definitely gotta be the stuffing. I mean, that's one of the only times of the year you really have it, anyway. So. I'll uh, I'll be that parent who's got that favorite kid, and the rest of them are all <laughs> boarded up in their uh, little uh, their little you know in the closets and all that stuff. So that's where I'll where I'll go. But uh, Coach for those of you, one, I have one rule for Thanksgiving though: I don't drive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't leave my town. I've tried that a couple times, and it hit traffic on the New Jersey Turnpike, and that Ugh. that's ended for me. So I just uh, we go right to my brother in law's house, right in right in town here. Okay, and keep it nice and small. How about yourself? Where are you going? We uh, we all c- congregate at uh, my grandmother's house. So what you got for us here in you know the Chicago area? Uh, all of us are really within like I think like fifteen minutes of each other, nice. except for I got family that are right on the border of Wisconsin. So they come down and yeah, we don't we're not going driving anywhere. I I don't think we've ever left further than going to grandma's for uh, Thanksgiving. So. <laughs> But you know, I heard I hear a lot about the Jersey Turnpike, but I've never been on it, so I think I'm gonna have to take a look next time I'm out there. 
Yeah, or not. Maybe about, not. No. Not no. <laughs> Everything I've heard is negative. So. <laughs> <laughs> they got good rest stops, though. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. They're always named after a famous New Jerseyan. So it's the James Gandolfini rest area. There's the John Bon Jovi rest area. <laughs> nice, nice. You know, there's My the you know, what's, what's what's the one down in like uh, everybody? People ask me about that one. It's uh, on the Molly Molly Pitcher rest okay. area. All right, you know, a little history, history, Revolutionary uh, War. Yes, but, uh, yes. Okay. If you get caught on that thing, you're, you're screwed, man. That's <laughs> what I've heard. That's what I've heard. But uh, <laughs> for those listening, uh, we hope you guys have a good either you know American Thanksgiving or Canadian Thanksgiving, um, and as well as uh, just uh, have a good week, anyways. So, uh, but uh, I'm Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. Have a good uh, Thanksgiving, and we will uh, see you when we get back. Thanks. 